Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. And we are back, folks. Another edition of the Michigan Recruiting Insider after a bit of a hiatus and a, a special show. While uh, recruiting will certainly be focused on uh, in this podcast like it always is, we have to react to the news that the Big Ten has decided to postpone its season. Uh, we will discuss that, the impact that has had that will have on recruiting. But by and large, the, the podcast will be our reaction to that decision. The why, whether we think it was the right thing to do, uh, you know, the, you know, the discontent that has been uh, that sort of permeates the, the player and coaching ranks. A lot of, uh, you know, Nebraska's public dissent, a lot of moving parts with this decision that came down from the Big Ten. Of course, the Pac-12 followed shortly thereafter. Uh, the Big 12, the SEC, and the ACC seem uh, determined to to forge ahead and, and try to get college football in in the uh, in the fall. With that, let's uh, bring in the crew. Of course, uh, Steve Lorenz. Steve, how are you this podcast afternoon? We've all been better than right. we are today, I assume, but uh, still good though. Everything's good. Yeah, and of course, uh, the first time on the on the first half of the podcast, right? But we just feel like it's. Is prudent since you know the focus is mostly on the reaction to the decision that the Big Ten just rendered. Felt prudent to just put us all on the uh, the entire podcast, especially with Bryce being out. So, of course, Josh Hinchke is with us. Josh, how are you? I'm doing great, Sam. Thanks for uh, having it in your heart to bump me up to the first team here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, look this this decision affects all fall sports and. Of course, while basketball goes from the fall to the winter, uh, you know they're they're practicing, they're getting in uh, workouts now. Or you know, practice starts during the fall semester. The season starts during the fall semester. So, uh, you know, the practice activity, while voluntary workouts uh, will continue, the the practice activity, at least the initial release from the University of Michigan, uh, said that they were going to cease the practice activity. So. Uh, but at any rate, let's let's just jump right in, guys. Uh, before we no, before we do that, uh, definitely want to thank all of our listeners to this podcast. You, by the way, uh, made us the fastest growing podcast on the twenty four seven Sports Network. And uh, last month, we had the most downloaded podcast. Uh, one of the episodes was the most download downloaded podcast on the entire network, and so that is because of you guys, your great support. Uh, if you haven't yet subscribed to the, this uh, podcast, please do uh, rate and review it. Tell all your friends. We can keep it going, keep it growing, and, uh, and and make it better as we move along. But with that, let's just start on the reaction side of things, starting with, with you, Steve. Uh, did you think that this would be uh, the outcome even when the, the schedule was announced? Do you think this is the, the right decision that the uh, the Big Ten made? Well, I guess it, it when they announced the schedule, 
I definitely didn't think that less than a week later <laughs> they would scrap the entire thing. I think that was a little bit of a surprise. I think we all knew the schedule wasn't a placeholder necessarily, but was not like a concrete type deal. I mean, things could change, whatever. But, uh, you know, I've been going back and forth about, you know, the decision and, and whether or not it's the right thing. Try not to be selfish about it because this is our livelihood and, right. and we love covering it and stuff. And at the same time, is it the safest route to go? Uh, you know, what? I, I, it's, it's, it is everything about this is such a weird dynamic because the kids want to play which is who this all revolves around. Uh, they're going to be allowed to just be students on campus. It sounds like with the high, I think that Michigan's currently operating under a potential hybrid deal, right? Some online, some in-person classes. Um, I agreed with Nick Saban's comment that the players are safest where they are right now. Uh, if these guys go back home for any extended period of time, it'd be really hard to convince me that they're, safer than they were uh, with, with Michigan uh, under the coaching staff, under all the guidelines they had set. The other thing too, I think I'm most disappointed for, for the, for the players, the staff is how much pride uh, they really seem to take in adapting and embracing the new normal and, and that they really kind of took it on themselves to uh, beat this in an opportunity to try to play football this fall. So that part, I feel really, really bad for the players. You got to feel for guys like, Nico Collins, yeah, uh, Ambry Thomas, guys who with a big senior year could have really helped their draft stock. Now, I mean, we'll see what happens in the spring. I'm pessimistic personally on uh, spring prospects, but uh, you know, we'll just have to see where it goes from there. But that's just a disappointing day for for everybody, I think, in some regard. So, Josh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty much on the same page as Steve here. I mean. You know, there was always a little glimmer of hope for me uh, that, you know, that somehow they'll they'll figure this out. You know, maybe it is from a selfish standpoint, because, you know, obviously we love doing what we do, you know, every Saturday in the fall. But, you know, at the end of the day, you got to you got to do what's best for the student athletes and, and, and them, you know, which which brings back the kind of conversation about amateurism and and, you know, can you bubble these guys and things like that? And, you know, it, it, there were viable paths to play. However, with the whole student athlete, you know, amateurism argument going on, it's, it's just impossible to, to kind of bubble up these kids. And, you know, and at the end of the day, that's kind of what it comes down to. I think, you know, this decision will, you know, really, change the landscape of, of college football going forward in terms of, you know, players uniting and, and uh, you know, pushing for, for a, a say, a, a, you know, a seat at the table, so to speak. So um, yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate, but you know, maybe, maybe some good comes from this. We'll see, but um, you know, it's, it is a very, very disappointing day, even though it was kind of the gut punch that everyone was kind of expecting to happen sooner rather than later. Yeah, I agree with you, Steve, that they they could have done a better job with how they unveiled this, you know, how, how they the, the, kind of the chronology of events. I, I think the release of the of the schedule and retrospect is kind of salt in the wound, because while they they certainly the commissioner, Kevin Warren, offered all of the qualifiers and caveats, he said this is this is the schedule that we hope to play, uh, put it in pencil he made it clear that the you know, they could alter course 
based on the the data that they receive. But if there had to be, I imagine, some knowledge that there would be a meeting of of the presidents that they would they would have a discussion about whether they would move forward. Uh, and it, it just seemed like it would have been the more prudent thing to do to wait to announce the season until after that meeting of the presidents happened. Now, may, maybe it was an impromptu thing uh, and they just, uh, you know, they they had a meeting based on new information and uh, and it just couldn't be helped because it was spur of the moment. Uh, I want to allow for that. But, uh, you know, I, I think that they they didn't do themselves any favors as far as the the perception of this decision uh, with the with the public and even the, the coaches and players, even with all the qualifiers and caveats. That being said, I thought when they when they announced the schedule, I was still skeptical that they would ever actually play it. Uh, I just I feel like the, the limitations that are in place now with with testing are, are such that you are going to have a, a situation, in my opinion, with these if schools do continue to play because of the lag in testing time, uh, testing the, the testing and giving the results. You're going to have some some Major League Baseball like scenarios. I mean, ma- Major League Baseball tests. You know, I think they test what every other day and, and they get the results back the next day. So you get a, it's like an 18 hour turnaround for for them. They send the results to Utah. They get the results back the next day. By that time, guys have interacted with their teammates. They played in games. Well, uh, you know, the Big Ten and their protocols, they require a a Wednesday test to play on Saturday. And so you're talking about three days where you could have commingling with 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 players and if they are po- if they're negative you know what if they what if they have received you know picked up the the virus or start shedding virus Thursday Friday or Saturday and now you have those guys playing in games playing against another team i, I think that's a huge issue that there is no rapid test that you can get results back the same day you don't have the testing logistics where even with the test they have you got a timely turnaround and I think the tipping point, though, guys, was this: uh, these reports about this, these, this, this myocardial uh, issue that that some student athletes have had. Uh, it's not pervasive. Uh, you know, I think there. One of the reports I read said there were twelve student athletes. Uh, I think that ESPN uncovered uh, nationwide, and not just in football. But these are potential long-term, long-term effects. And even if players are willing to take that risk, I mean, can you in good conscience have them and their parents make a decision now that they might feel good about now and feel it's totally worth the risk in the here and now, but will they feel the same way 20, 25 years from now? Even if you're financially supporting that decision decision and, you know, covering their their health care at that point their lives are still different can you can you still feel good about uh you know allowing that if you don't have every single possible uh i dotted and t cross when you talk about the you know the uh you know the best kind of procedures and protocols in, in place like like testing for instance i think that was one of the things that maybe for the from the presidential perspective kind of held them back. Yeah, I mean, the other thing too that you got to kind of think about is is 
it's simple because people want to compare it to you know baseball like these the kid and we've talked about that the kids aren't getting paid mm-hmm. it is there's it is whether i know people some people don't want to uh look that fact in the mirror or or acknowledge that fact these guys are still at this point are amateur athletes and it makes it a lot harder to justify putting them in a potentially risky position when they're yes they're on scholarship i know there's value to the scholarship but they're not seeing any they're not really getting any uh concrete financial return that professionals do you know i think professionals being paid the money they are take on a certain maybe a larger set of risks or are more you know are, are more liable to be open to taking these kind of risks or or whatever or whether it's through contract or whatever uh so i think there i think that part of it too uh is is something that's got to kind of be taken into consideration as well and again and this is knowing that the kids themselves want to play mm-hmm. but they are kids they're they're passionate uh they love the game they've been working their butts off all spring and summer too i mean can't forget that a lot of these guys putting in hours and hours at home using minimal equipment. Some guys had to scrounge equipment. Some guys had to find local gyms. Some guys had to work out in their own, their old high schools alone, like just type of that type of deal, you know, to have that kind of taken away from them. So, uh, but at the same time, it, it, it's just a different set of rules, uh, you know, for, for the college in the college situation, I think the professional situation and, and whether that's the primary deal with this, I don't know, but that's definitely a factor that, you know, I think it has to be taken in at least some consideration when you're talking about, well, hey, the NBA is playing and and NFL is going to play and baseball is playing, which, as you already mentioned, with baseball is not off to the most glowing start. Uh, you know that that has kind of the differences there. I think also have to have to matter at least a little bit. Well, another major difference, and you know, you you hit on the the pride that they have taken here at Michigan in in really establishing a culture of compliance and and a great attention to detail. I mean, Jim is Jim Harbaugh has spoken to he's kind of highlighted uh, the the emphasis on that. We talked to Daryl Conway. You guys may have seen that the Michigan's chief health officer, uh, you know, there in the athletic department. We had a story on that over on the, on the, on the site where he kind of laid out in great detail, uh, you know, all of the, you know, the minutia of everything that they do from an from the the entry to surveillance to the fall plan and what it really laid out and what Jim Harbaugh touted I mean you know look they should be boastful about the numbers and and, and not from the standpoint of of saying hey look at me it, it's more kind of highlighting this should be the model I mean when you can go and I'm looking at the numbers right now 11 positive tests out of 893 administered and three of those 11 were upon uh, return to campus. So they came to campus with COVID. Uh, they've had two positive tests out of the last 417 administered, zero positive tests out of the last 353. There have been zero positive tests among the coaches and staff over the eight weeks. No contact tracing at all to the fields over at Schimbeckler Hall, the weight room, the locker room, or the facility. We've had zero pauses in training. I mean, that is a pristine outstanding where that's something that those pro leagues aspire to right that's bubble like stuff but to me that's kind of the point uh and it's 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 kind of the the argument that makes the point in reverse it kind of makes the the point of why you shut down because michigan's not playing michigan every week you know if, if michigan 
was lining up against, you know, all every you know, the program, every program they lined up did it the same way and had the same track record. Fine, that'd be great, awesome. Let's let's go, let's roll. But Indiana shut down, Michigan State shut down, Rutgers shut down, Maryland shut down, Ohio State shut down. You know, the, these other places don't have the record that Michigan has. And, oh, by the way, right now they're operating in a pseudo-bubble. As close to a bubble as you're going to get in a college setting is what they're in now. Students aren't back on campus. Now they're actually in camp, so they're, they're almost sequestered uh, in a way. Next month, students will be back on campus while you have a reduced capacity. I mean, reduced capacity on campus, some virtual learning interspersed. Uh, you're still going to have interaction with the campus community. Uh, and that's another variable in this equation that I think complicates matters uh, in, in, in ways that maybe on a, on a coach and a student level, maybe they aren't taking in, into account as much as what they're doing. What they're doing here in Ann Arbor is important, and you should be proud of it, and you and 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 shout it from the rooftops. But if they aren't doing the same thing on every single other campus, and certainly if they have an outbreak of sorts or that causes them to shut down, well, you have a problem. You're only as strong as your weakest link. Yeah, I think um, I think that's the most important part. You know, there's got to be consistency league-wide and i don't think we've really seen that from a big 10 standpoint in terms of you know not to not to point out kevin warren here but some consistent leadership i mean it's been all over the place just from this week trying to figure out are they going to play you know are they going to delay are they going to push back to the spring i think you know i I think you're right i mean michigan absolutely deserves to kind of trumpet their their successes in terms of keeping covid cases down but you know it's very much how i kind of view this whole covid situation is i'm not worried about myself getting it i'm worried about other people giving it to me because i know that you know obviously wear a mask in public don't be spraying Mm. your particles everywhere and stuff like that but you know that that's not going to necessarily apply to the guy sitting next to me who's you know who's maybe like had been been drinking or whatever and is just drunkenly just spraying spit everywhere and stuff it's just you can't you can't control the other person unless there's uh you know a concise specific set of 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 rules that every program must follow um and you know and obviously michigan's got the track record there that you know they're they're the pristine example of of what other programs should follow but again i mean you're talking about 18 to 20 or under old kids and trying to, to keep them away from, you know, parties or, or hanging out with friends and things like that is, is a difficult task without, you know, a bubble, which then acknowledges that, you know, Hey, these guys aren't really amateurs. You know, we need to, we need to treat them as, as professionals. So, you know, it opens up multiple conversations, but at the end of the day, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's great that you can control it in house, but when it comes down to, playing other teams there's got to be something consistent there where you know you're not going to find potential slip-ups or or you know cracks in the wall things like that yeah, i'm curious i mean i, I kind of want your take on kevin warren too steve because look I, I i think i think his his biggest leadership mistake here uh is in managing expectations i, I you know I, I think if there's if i have a criticism is i mean i guess it, it would be twofold it, it's number one and this could go across the 
college football landscape uh, and, and not just be a Kevin Warren thing. But I, I just don't think collectively they they incorporated the input of the student athletes as much as they they should have. Uh, I know there is no no formal mechanism for them to have a seat at the table, but in an informal way, you're talking about their health and welfare. Uh, you know, taking into account their their concerns in real time should have been done from the jump. Uh, to his credit, uh, he did connect with the Big Ten Unity Group and said he was going to uh, maintain con- contact with them moving forward. But in the you know, in as they were putting together the procedures and protocols and making these decisions, I mean, some of the the ground was already laid before they ever talked to the student athletes. Uh, in the way ways in which they say they're talking to them now. That's number one. Uh, the second thing is, you know, managing expectations, whether it's, uh, you know, the re- the release of the schedule. Uh, and I know he offered those qualifiers, but like I said, in retrospect, I just think releasing the schedule sent a message, even with him trying to temper it as he released the schedule. Just you you putting it down makes it seem like, you know, the, the likelihood of of playing the season is greater than it actually was. I mean, it may have always been in question, but it was in serious doubt if you're going to cancel it six days later, right? Uh, you just don't get that impression from when he from when he released the schedule. Uh, that's number one, and then number two, uh, you know, the 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 coaches must not have been um, as aware as I think they they needed to be about the likelihood of of, of cancellation. Uh, again, you can you can say it as as much until you're blue in the face in a in an interview, but these coaches seem to really be jolted by how this thing went down, and so that to me is an a communication issue. I don't have a problem with the rationale that they used to to come to the decision. Uh, I understand it. Uh, I don't I don't like that it came to this. But I, I do think that it is it is necessary to prioritize health and welfare over everything. I'm not naive. I know that there are probably some in the think tank there that are concerned about the financial liability. Uh, and I know that's probably driving the thinking of, of some people. But uh, I think the, the moral liability here of, you know, the concern of, changing someone's life we talk about the recruiting process all the time right steve where we say it's not a four-year decision it's a 40-year decision where you go to school same kind of deal here with these kids you know playing in a in a covid environment some of these kids might be dealing with the after effects for 40 years if you're going to put them in that position you had damn well be sure that you have as safe an environment as you could possibly achieve and so I think that, that they're erring on the side of caution in that regard. But they I I do not think that they did a good enough a job good enough a job communicating about the you know the likelihood of cancellation uh as they went along in this process. So this started in what March? Yeah. Don't you think in March, as much pressure as there'd be? for a college football season to take place that maybe they would have started formulating a plan in March. Cause honestly, the way the timeline, the way things played out schedule being probably the most like crystal clear example of it. And you talk about lack of communication, it's clear that there was no discussion of a plan for fall, fall football back in March or April, probably even may 
or June. I mean, there's so many things now that the kids don't know, the coaches don't know, don't know anything about eligibility yet, don't know anything about scholarship numbers. How's the draft going to work for the guy? Like if they do decide to have a spring season, you know, how is the draft going to work for these kids? Uh, Even like guys who, what if a kid's got all of his classes online? Does he go home? Does he stay on campus? I assume most of the guys, if they'll stay on campus, be students, full-time online students or whatever. But like, there's just so many things that, I mean, the text I got this morning was, I'll say clown show. That's not exactly uh, how it was phrased when I got it, but, um, you know, was, was basically the way it was, is that everyone has been pretty much as far as on a program by program basis, talk about the coaches and players have pretty much been left in the dark as far as any, the direction, any vision of a plan and, and how they're going to get through this, you know, or, you know, just, it just seems like, and again, I'm with you guys all the way on that. The rationale for doing this makes complete sense. It's just, it just seems like it's been almost like hopping and skipping around for the last month or so. And with no cohesion, no vision. And uh, I know like, uh, the commissioner's in a tough spot. It's his first year, you know, to have to walk into something like this, like sucks. I mean, there's just no way around it, but at the same time, again, with, with, with the reach these guys have the, it's not as like, it's difficult to communicate with these ADs, communicate with the coaching staffs, whatever. Um, There've been months to have, maybe have had something like to have, but the way that this has played out makes it at least seems clear that this is not something, and again, I guess I got guess we have to throw in there that this is a you know something that no one's ever we never really been through this before, obviously. So there are curveballs that are going to come in or whatever. But in March, April, the idea that the season could potentially be canceled should have been something that should have been addressed back then, mm-hmm. and yeah. then figure then go from there with it and try to figure out okay, what do we have to do to to get this to work or to make it as safe as possible for everybody, whether that's canceling it or not. Right. Yeah. I think, you know, the, some of the, some of the questions move beyond the conference level level, right? Like eligibility and the draft and uh, you know, the, the, where you have that vacuum, that leadership vacuum at the NCAA level, no real guidance there. I I wonder uh, if, if, if there was some, some deference that was, was being offered that should have been, uh, thinking that some some direction was going to come uh, from from that level, but uh, at the at the conference level, I mean there there definitely needed to be uh, more attention given to keeping the the, the coaches. Of, like, I mean, I, I think the communication with the presidents and the ads was was really really consistent, uh, but in, engaging the coaches who have the direct line to the players, and then of course. Uh, engaging the players directly themselves, like I said at the at the onset of this part of the discussion, they should have been talking uh, to the players. But this is this is an example of why you need player representation, right? Why there needs to be some sort of some sort of collective voice that can be approached at times like these when you have an issue that's going to affect them uh, as a whole, and that that entity just doesn't exist now at least you have some sort of pseudo organization uh like you know big 10 united uh where there there's someone for them to speak to i do want to 
take into account that, like you said, Steve, this is something we haven't dealt with before. So you you had you have medical experts telling you in the spring that we're going to be better off down the line. Testing's going to be better by the time we get to August, September. There'll probably be a rep, rapid test uh, there. You see where we are with the shutdown, right? So you, as you get into the shutdown, the numbers came way down. I mean, I think that nationally the positivity rate went all the way down to like four and a half percent. And so we were we were at a place in a, in a country where it felt we had flattened the curve, as they say. It felt like we were we were at a level where you weren't going to have life as you know like like it was, but you were at least going to be able to function. You're at least going to be able to have things like a like a season. You're going to be able to push ahead, and then boom, as things open back up, I think nationally, the you know the the rate. The positivity rate nationally, I think, is like seven and a half percent. They said anything above five, and you have uncontrolled spread. And so, not something that they were anticipating the medical experts a couple of months ago. And yet, here we are. It did require maybe some some forethought. Uh, you know, think worst case. What if the medical experts are? What if what if something happens and we don't get? We can't maintain this. Uh, not enough worst case scenario thinking at that time to your point, Steve, but I think that's what they're doing now. I mean, people say, why are you taking this drastic action now? I think they're doing now what they didn't do before. Thinking worst case and preparing for it. I think that's what's kind of behind this decision to to go ahead and, and, and shelve the season, which brings us to the point or not shelve, but postpone it. Passion, drive and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Which brings us to the point of a of a spring campaign, guys. I mean, I don't know about you, Josh, but... You know, to have the entire athletic calendar, all the sports uh, playing in the winter and spring, uh, you know, let's set aside the logistics of that uh, and just talk about from the standpoint of football, you know, can you play two seasons in one calendar year? That's a question. What about what about playing football in the state of Michigan or the state of Wisconsin or Minnesota? New Jersey in mid mid to late February, early March, not a big, not a good weather scenario either. No, I mean, can you can you realistically can you play football in the spring? Yes. Does it make sense? No. Um, I think from from a player health standpoint, you're asking a lot. I mean, that's that's asking for almost. I want to make the argument almost more than a professional would would play i mean that's 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 a lot of football just crushed into into one little calendar year there i mean it's it just it doesn't make sense to me you know logistically there's so many moving parts because you've got the nfl scouting 
um, the draft combines, things like that. Eligibility. How does that count? You know, what, how many games are you going to play in the spring? Um, you know, how long is the layoff until you start preparing for the fall? So it, there's just so many things that go into a spring season that I just, I don't think it just, it, 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 it makes sense. There's just a lot there that I just don't think, I mean, can it be done? Yes, but it's going to take a lot of, a lot of cooperation from the conference and, and, and whoever else is on board, you know, with the spring season. I think there's just so many moving parts, so many variables, so many things that they have to figure out that personally, I don't think, you know, just considering how this has all been handled, I don't think it'll be figured out by the time spring is <laughs> in terms of rules and, and, you know, who goes where and things like that. I mean, I, I don't trust them. Uh, you know, I just, you know, considering because, you know, I'm still salty about, you know, uh, the Big Ten tournament being canceled 15 minutes before tip off. I'd right. drive four hours there and back. I'm still salty about that. But um, I just yeah, I just I, I just don't see a way that is viable, that it makes sense for the overall health of the student athlete. I just don't. Steve. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'd be shocked if they play in the spring. And if they do, it, it'll be heavily reduced. Uh, I mean, I've already seen just on social media alone today. I mean, I think Urban Meyer came out and said that the spring would be a horrible idea. I think Paul Christ, uh, Barry Alvarez's press conference, Paul Christ said playing in the spring makes no sense for the players with all the repetitions and, and the physical uh, toll that would it take on them to basically rest up for two more mo- two months, come back out and do it again on, on a full schedule. So I'll be surprised if it's not until next fall uh, around this time next year where we're gearing up for a football season. I mean, that's just, you know, we'll have to see. I mean, who knows? Still, though, I got to say this. I'll see if you guys agree with me. Part part of me thinks Harbaugh still got something up his sleeve. I don't know why. (laughs) I could I honestly could see like Michigan and Ohio State agreeing to just play like an exhibition or something and somehow like clearing it. And, and bubbling these guys up for two weeks or however long it needs to be to take for them to be fully healthy, fully virus-free or whatever, and for them to play. I mean, you could just tell in the statements and stuff how badly uh, they want to – definitely how the, badly they want to play that game. And obviously we always know you know both teams want to play that game really badly. I just wonder. I know his statement yesterday, very forceful uh, in the effort that Michigan's made to get on the field. Maybe not. Maybe this is the end of – It'll, I mean, there's not going to be a obviously an organized season by any means, but I just, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it, it might just be. Look, I, I'm I'm skeptical uh, as well. I mean, my <laughs> my initial my initial reservations uh, about this had mostly to do with the the two seasons in in, in one calendar year. I get that the, the pros, whether they have six they, sixteen games for preseason games, they don't really play in for preseason games, but. Then you throw in a couple of playoff games for you know for a few teams in there, so you could you could sort of see how how it could it could be done if you if you chop maybe a couple of more games off of that ten game schedule. You might have to think outside the box a little bit, and maybe maybe it's a you know a a not a, a championship type scenario where you're you're playing a season to 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 establish a champion in this cycle. It might just be uh, you have some some scrimmage action over the course of a spring that that's they aren't scrimmages but they're they're real games where you're competing against a, another squad you know maybe it's over the course of a, an elongated spring 
you play in Ohio State, you play in Michigan State uh, in there. I'm just thinking outside the box like like that, but a, a conventional sort of game slate, uh, even in a reduced way. I, I just... I, I just don't see how you pull it off uh, and 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 really limit the wear and tear on the student athletes enough for it to be, uh, you know, for it to be a safe thing to do. Now, here's what I here's what I'll offer. You had better ask them. You had better have them involved in that decision. Coaches and players. Don't wait until the decision is about to be made to like you did this time to incorporate their input into the the, the thought. We shouldn't be, you know, we shouldn't be uh, on the cusp of of a uh, uh, of spring ball waiting to find out what they're going to I mean, this should be a decision by the time we get to the new year, they should have a spring format down if there's going to be one and, and know who's ready to participate. Uh, and there does while I don't think the NFL would would do anything to to accommodate college football per se, you know I've already seen some of the uh, you know some of the talking heads at the NFL level say, say uh, you know kind of speculate that the NFL would would move things down uh, as far as the draft calendar is concerned to accommodate themselves. I mean, who wants to be in a position where you are going to spend a draft pick on a guy? Uh, where the film is a year old. <laughs> I right. mean, if, if you have if you have the opportunity, if there is a spring campaign to get to some practices, uh, get to some scrimmage, scrimmage action or some games, if there's going to be that, then why wouldn't you take it if you're the NFL? But, uh, again, I don't think it'll come to that. I, I'm like you guys. I think that, you know, they, they will get to the point where they say this is this is not a feasible thing, even if all the other things are, are at play. Because – I think they're what they're hoping for is the same thing they were hoping for when we went back to you know April March and April and we're like well maybe things will be different with testing in August and September we'll have more tests maybe there'll be a rapid test by that time uh, maybe testing turnaround will be different uh, you know you can you can hope that within society maybe we will be in much better shape. Uh, as as far as the the virus spread is concerned, maybe maybe we're even in the early stages of the a vaccine being passed out. So all of these things could be in play that would sort of uh, you know affect your where you are as far as your virus response is concerned. But even if you get over all those hurdles, guys, uh, just the the wear and tear argument I think is a compelling one, and why I still think it's unlikely that you'll see. Uh, college football in the spring but again you had better talk to if you learn nothing else don't wait until we get in december and january to be figuring this out and talk to the players and the coaches make sure at the very least they're involved so they know they know where you are where your thought process is and they aren't caught off guard like they seem to be caught off guard this time yeah i that's obviously right i mean and now there's months and months again for them to do that, which, so I assume they'll learn their mistakes in, in this regard, but yeah, I just, again, I just think this is, it's going to be difficult. And, and, and what do you do if even one other conference, two of these conferences play right this fall, 
what the hell is it even for then next yeah. spring? I mean, there'll be no champion. There'll be nothing. It'd be basically an exhibition. Yeah. Then you're watering down. The, the, these players are risking getting injured a month or two before an, a, an NFL draft might take place. There's just it opens up a whole different uh, can of worms, you know, that I don't know if it's, you know, if it's as somebody it. who wants to see them play. Yeah. At that point, it's not even worth it to me that it gets to a point where it wouldn't even be worth it. Yeah, know, I, so. I hear you. I hear you. I would. All I would say is ask them. Like yep. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't make that that assessment of how they would feel about it for them. I would ask them to see how they feel. Uh, you know, have have each of the programs kind of do a, you know, talk to their you know their team and kind of see where they are as a team, and then take all of that input into into account, uh, and then move forward. That's assuming that you get over the health and welfare uh, um, sort of uh, issues that are present now. Which which brings us to another. <laughs> Another really big issue for these teams, recruiting. So, I mean, so many kids. I know there there seem to be a record number of kids that were committing in the spring. Certainly there had to be a record number that committed to schools that they hadn't visited, right? But all in anticipation of a relaxation of of these dead period restrictions that at some point kids were going to be able to get back on campuses. Now, I have been skeptical skeptical of that too, guys. I mean, if you I mean what's if you're screening players as they come to campus, right? So there is this screening process at Michigan where you come, you take a test, you are you are kind of sequestered until you get the results. You know, there's kind of this layover period before you're introduced into the team environment. Are you gonna do that? Were you gonna do that when kids came to campus? Are you gonna do that with parents as they came to campus? How is that gonna going to work so i've always been skeptical about visits actually working but now that this season has been postponed at least here in the big 10 i certainly don't think that (laughs) you know you'll you'll see visits here and i think that'll it'll probably uh be that way across the the college landscape i'm curious what you guys think about that interesting to see the kids who committed that live far away if it kind of changes their thinking because i do think we've all Probably they probably have assumed at some point they'd get to see it before they've been there. So you think of you know Xavier Worthy, probably not the first name I should have mentioned because people would be like, oh no, um, Jaden Hood, McBurrows, uh, Finney, guys who like live far away who've never visited before. It'll be interesting to see if this just kind of impacts things at all. You know, I. I I guess I especially look at a guy like Jaden Hood who still has like Miami after him pretty hard. You know, you kind of wonder like, hey, like could just stay close to home. And uh, so that's that's kind of my biggest thing. Also, really hurts him with Fedoni unless they can get him up. I know that's really been the big one that they've really wanted to get him up there for a visit because I think they feel like they'd have a real shot if they could get him there. This news obviously – puts a damper on that, makes it more difficult. But to be fair, Bounds, what, Rooks? Somerville. Somerville. I mean, they've had guys who have come up on their – what I would think would be what, you know, maybe work it out is, is I don't know, an official visit where maybe there's still no contact and they get to do right. what the guys who have come up on their own have already done. I mean, it's it's it becomes a deal where – the coaches could maybe virtually go on the visit with them. I, now, I know some of the schools have done virtual visits, but I want to say that when those guys have come up on their own, they've not been allowed to contact yeah. them. Yeah, that's against the rules. You can't do that. Right. Like maybe they should relax those rules a little bit 
when you consider how big of a decision this is for some of these kids to uh, to restrict that communication, you know, now knowing that they're definitely not going to be there for a game. Mm-hmm. So that's out of out of out of the picture. Uh, but you know, guys who want to come up and see it themselves, maybe figure out. There's almost no that they you know got to find a way to make this decision easier for some of these guys because it is this is one of the biggest decisions they're ever going to make. Uh, I mean, to just kind of leave them hanging, I think is is tough, you know. And and Michigan's always done so well with kids when they do get them up, and they've done a good job of staying in communication with their guys that they really want. Uh, you know, I think it'd be a missed opportunity. Um, obviously not just for Michigan, for everybody, but I, I think they should, you'd hope that they'd, you know, lax on some of these rules a little bit and, uh, and let some kids come up and maybe let, do some kind of a twist on the virtual visit or something like that. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I think this kind of, you know, it also puts the emphasis on relationships too. You know, I think, uh, you know, I, just from, from my opinion, I don't think we'll see as much co- coaching carousel, uh, as years prior. I mean, that's not to say that, you know, there's coaches are going to get up and leave and whatever, but I think, you know, a lot more of these, you know, up and comers that, you know, could have used an extra year of coaching could kind of, you know, get their chops a little bit, but I think this kind of really puts an emphasis on, on, you know, building bonds with coaches and, and, you know, most of them perhaps staying, you know, beyond, you know, this season. So I think it kind of helps on that, on that front too. But yeah, I, I think, you know, you gotta, you gotta relax something. I mean, you know, obviously these schools are doing, doing what they can in terms of visits and, and virtual visits and things like that. But, you know, something's got to give from an NCAA standpoint in order to kind of give, uh, you know, these, uh, these, these, especially, especially if the big 10 and PAC 12 are the only conferences that don't have uh, you know, don't have games and things like that. They don't have anything to boast if there's visits and things like that. So, yeah, there's got to be something from an NCAA standpoint that could be kind of laxed and, and relaxed and, and just, you know, changed even in the slightest. Yeah, I think uh, the idea that you mentioned, Steve, maybe they will relax the the ability to interact virtually with with student-athletes as they come to – or prospective student-athletes as they come to campus. I think that that, that – that, that might be doable. You can, you can, I think, get schools, uh, presidents across the country to agree with that one because you aren't, there, there's no exposure uh, for the, the coaches or players uh, in that regard. It won't, it won't be your conventional sort of visit deal in that, you know, you get a chance to go, you know, go to class with the players and, um, you know, go to hang out with them at night. Uh, maybe, maybe you can't do that. Uh, but to to be able to walk around and have a, a guided virtual tour would seem to be a uh, you know a, a suitable compromise under the under the circumstances. Um, I, I think that Josh, your point about <laughs> staff stability this is going to be the most stable and <laughs> the most stable we've ever seen. Uh, you know, college football, right? What kind of coaching movement are we going to see after this season? No one's getting fired, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're going to see a lot of coaches staying put uh, and, and really being able to um, maybe use those, you know, use that security uh, to their advantage and letting those guys know, hey, I'm going to be here for you, Xavier Worthy. Uh, that has to be a message that Josh Gaddis uh, is sending along, right? But My days working, taking care of my little ones can be a lot. 
I checked out care.com and it was so easy for me to find local, experienced, and background check sitters. Finding our babysitter was way more affordable than I thought. Care.com makes it super easy. Search for qualified candidates. You can view their profiles, read reviews and ratings, check their availability, send messages directly, get the help that you need. Care.com should be every person's go-to. Uh, Steve, you you mentioned that the the far away from home guys, uh, that you know those being the ones that you have to be concerned about, and rightfully so. Uh, you know, in in Worthy's case, I think they've done a really good job from a relationship standpoint. I think they benefit from the fact that he hasn't he hadn't visited any of the schools that he was looking <laughs> at. <laughs> so you do at least you have that. Uh, but you know, the 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 part of this where they may benefit, you know, if it's a disadvantage, uh, even with your committed guys, that some of them are far away and haven't seen it. Uh, with some of the uncommitted guys that are are close to home, like the number one recruit on the board, Donovan Edwards. I gotta tell you, I've been on the on the cusp of a crystal ball for a little while now with him. Uh and I got a few calls to make uh here tonight. Uh but depending on what I hear, I, you know, this decision from the Big Ten, uh with others I expect to follow will put me over the top. I, I just you know, he was holding out for the for the chance to have official visits, to have face-to-face contact, interaction with with coaches and players on a few campuses. He wasn't intent on taking five, but he talked about taking maybe two or three. And I just don't think that he's going to be able to do that. I, I do think that he'll he'll maybe get out on a dead period visit or two, certainly in Oklahoma, since that's the one of the schools that he's high on that he hasn't been to. But man, I think Steve, I think this is is advantage. Man, I mean, you don't, you know, I don't wish for them to gain an advantage this way. So I don't want. I'm not speaking of it in in those terms. But circumstances, I think, in this case, benefit Michigan in their courtship of of Diamond Edwards. Hundred percent. Probably would say, based on everything we've known about the the Benny recruitment, would probably say something similar. Other thing to note with with Donovan. Uh, Actually, somebody had posted about this on the board, and I noticed it today too. Texas starting to trend for LJ Johnson, which would eliminate one of Oklahoma's main competitors for Kamar Wheaton, who I would argue is Oklahoma's, I think, probably number one guy at bat. It's, you know, him and Edwards are the guys that are right up there, but that's just another small little potential feather in the cap there. Uh, not sure if a guy, Wheaton seems to kind of march to his own beat, so I don't know if he's a guy who would quickly drop anywhere just because a kid commits elsewhere or anything like that. But another little kind of tidbit to kind of keep an eye on where, you know, with the thing with Donovan's recruitment really has been who else is he like really seriously considering? We don't really hear much about Georgia anymore. Uh, I do think Oklahoma probably the primary one there. So to see a big competitor for Oklahoma's other big time back target uh, trend elsewhere is another kind of little feather in their cap. But from the distance aspect, no visits, yeah, you got to think for an uncommitted guy. Absolutely. I kind of think you got to think that, you know, a lot of these guys, whether it's Donovan in Michigan or some kids down in Florida or in Texas or wherever, are going to be more liable to uh, choose a place that's closer uh, than they would if they're, you know, unless they have the means to 
go to these places on their own and, and see it and, and get to at least experience it enough to feel comfortable to want to go there. Yeah, I, I think that that Oklahoma is the the number one, uh, you know, Mich- the, you know, the biggest threat to, to Michigan at this point. I think George is still in it for sure. Uh, but he's seen that. I, I think part of the intrigue with with Oklahoma is he hasn't. You know, you it, what is I mean, I think there's the, the mystery to it. And uh, I definitely think that when you uh, when you have the, the chance to to maybe be coached by, you know, one of the one of the best backs and we've seen in college football here in the past couple of decades. And, um, you know, certainly if you if you look at his career with the Dallas Cowboys, I mean, I think all of that is intriguing to him. Um, and I think that's sort of adding to the allure of Oklahoma. He's he's connected with Lincoln Riley as well. Uh, but uh, again, I think that he'll at least he'll at least get a dead period visit in there. But familiarity with Michigan, I think they've done an outstanding job of incorporating the whole staff. He really vibes with Jay Harbaugh. Uh, I just think the relationships are at a level that, you know, even with, you know, DeMarco Murray being a big time name, uh, him really connecting with him. I just think you got so many connections at Michigan uh, that are resonating with him uh, that, you know, they the, the downside for Michigan guys and the, the advantage that, that Oklahoma has over Michigan in this in this equation is he's seen Oklahoma be that you know, use the running back in a in a passing capacity as a, as a receiver out of the backfield. Whereas with with Michigan, it, it's more concept. He's seen he's seen the concepts. He's seen receivers function in those roles in the offense last year. He's seen those guys be effective in that way in Josh Gaddis's other stops. But I think he was also looking forward to seeing it in practice with Blake Corum, with with um, Chris Evans uh, here this year, and he won't have an opportunity to do that. So that that is a a bit of an advantage for 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 Oklahoma, but not one that I think gives them the advantage overall. Rayshon Benny, he's been to Michigan, he's been to Penn State, he's been to Michigan State. All the other schools on his list, man. I mean, he he hasn't been to now. He has connections to to Kentucky, but. You know, I know one of his coaches really well, and he said he's been telling the kid that he doesn't think Kentucky is the is the best fit for him. Uh, you know, personality wise, uh, he just thinks that there are other schools that are, are are better fit. So it'll be interesting to see how that works. And I already have a crystal ball in there, but Drew Kendall, Steve. I mean, he's he's probably the guy that's that's uh, you know closest to making a decision right now. Yeah, you'd have to think. So. I mean, <laughs> well. Another decision was recently made, so we got to kind of think that uh, <laughs> that his might be coming soon. So, uh, you know, Michigan's been leading that crystal ball forever. I know that's one recruitment Bryce has had a really good yeah. uh, beat on. And uh, yeah, my crystal, I haven't moved that one. I don't think any of us have, right? Nope. So it's been really, it's been more of a waiting game. And and yeah, you think Stanford was the one other program that really felt like a major threat. I'm not sure. You know, he's talking a little bit about Boston College and I think Duke too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but Stanford really kind of been the one that's mentioned as the biggest threat for Michigan. And, you know, Hardy, again, well, as I guess his dad played in the NFL, they could probably fly out there if they wanted to and, and check it out if you really, you know, if that was really what he wanted to do. But uh, but still, it's, you know, that's one where we were waiting to see what Spindler did. 
and go from there with, with Kendall. So now that Spindler's made his decision, uh, you know, and unless something drastic changes, I don't see myself changing that crystal ball at this point. Yeah. But again, he has had a long time to make a decision here. It felt like Michigan might be getting a decision for three or four, what, three or four months ago, probably seemed like he was maybe close to doing it. Um, and we'll just have to see, but, but yeah, for now, I think that crystal ball is probably going to stay amazing blue. Yeah. I'm the same way. I think <laughs> I definitely think this is <laughs> Rocco Spindler had a lot to do yeah. uh, with, with his timeline as far as Michigan is, is concerned. Uh, you know, they still have some hurdles to clear. I, I talked about it in a, in a blog on the site recently. Check it out where other schools are really talking up how big Michigan's uh, linemen typically are. And he's not the, the you know, the biggest guy. He's what, 250, 260 right now. Thinks he's going to top out in the, in the mid-290s, maybe 300. And so uh, that's a, a topic that, that Michigan has been talking to him about, trying to assuage any concerns that he has along those lines. Big key for me will be, does he fill out that Stanford app? He hadn't uh, at last check. Uh, if he fills that out, then he'll, then he'll draw this recruitment out. If he doesn't, then I think it's, it's, it's Michigan or Boston college with a decision coming this month. So uh, time will tell on that. I do. I mean, there are some other guys that we'll be focusing on, on the site. I'm going to catch up with Damon David uh, to, to kind of see where things are with him, the safety out of uh out of maryland that michigan was in the final round or is in the final round for to kind of see uh what the deal is with with him and uh you know just kind of keep our ear to the ground as far as any other any other guys that that might consider taking uh dead period visits or are still considering michigan but want to move over to the basketball side of things and it's been a i don't know josh it's been a you know rough couple of, <laughs> rough couple of weeks for the for the wolverines with with yeah. top target, especially when you talk about the, you know, the the guards that uh, that they were emphasizing, Angelo Brizzy off the board, not unexpected to to um, Villanova. I think the Jalen Worley thing. I think it. I think that one surprised them. I think it, yeah. it jolted them. I think that Michigan thought it was them in, in in Virginia. I thought it was Michigan in Virginia. It turned out to be Michigan and Florida State, and. I, you know, the the word that I'm getting is that he just felt like, uh, you know, there wasn't as much of a glut at his position at Florida State. When I think that all those guys could have functioned together, I think we talked about this in the, on the podcast before. You know, I, I think Michigan's perception of Jalen Worley was that he had more of a lead guard mentality than than Zeb Jackson and and Kobe Bufkin. Not to say that those guys couldn't be. Uh, couldn't play the one at times, but their shoot first guys primarily, I think, is the view. Whereas Jalen, uh, I think they viewed as more of a a guy who it wouldn't be as much of a process to get him to be uh, a a floor general. And here he's off the board despite the the great connections to the staff. And oh, by the way, Jay Nakins slated to make his decision, and I think he's I think he views Michigan in much the same way that that Jalen Worley did that he sees a lot of redundancy here with, with Kobe Bufkin, who he, who he is played with uh, on the AAU circuit and knows really well, Zeb Jackson. I mean, you're talking about three lefty combo guards and he's like, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, I see more of me there. I just really think it adds up to Michigan state. Yeah, me too. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of pro Michigan state, you know, forces on in, on his in his circle i mean obviously 
going to uh, Amoni Bates's prep school is another. Um, already having another player committing in his in, in his class as a teammate of AAU. Just a lot of pro Michigan State, which you know makes sense. And it, and like you said, I mean, there's there's not as much redundancy on uh, Michigan State's roster, but I think Jaden Akins is is the more polished you know, point guard out of, out of all three of those guys that you mentioned, well, outside, you know, in, in, in terms of, of Zeb Jackson and Kobe Bufkin, of course, but um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting, you know, a, a wide, a wide net has to be cast now. I mean, you've already seen the two offers out there to uh, Carter Witt and Frankie Collins. So can you, you hit know, those it, guys it, on campus? Right. That's the thing. That's the thing, you know, that's, obviously you could do a great job doing virtual visits and, and, and vibing with them from a relationship standpoint, but you know, visits are, are so crucial. I mean, it's, it's what's, it's what's been killing Michigan in this cycle. It's just the lack of the lack of visits. And obviously Juwan being so new in terms of, you know, just, just playing from behind, so to speak, in terms of playing catch up with these 21 kids it's really put them behind the eight ball a little bit. So they've had to play a little bit of be- a catch up, but yeah, I mean the, the lack of visits has has killed them. This so this is this is sure. where this is where maybe what you talked about with relationships. I wonder if if maybe I mean if if you're gonna be able to work an angle, you know, do you have a relationship that can can bridge a visit gap? And maybe you think maybe Michigan has that with Frankie Collins. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I talked to Frankie recently, um, and he kind of mentioned how you know he really appreciates Juwan Howard and, and how he kind of grew up with him, uh, played with with Jace Howard, uh, his son that's enrolled in Michigan right now um, through AAU, and, and went to camps and saw Juwan there. Took a picture. They they met each other again. Took another picture, um, and and Juwan's also really really good friends with. Uh, Frankie Collins's uncle Monty Buckley, who played for Cal in the early '90s and had a cup of coffee in the NBA, um, but that's an also another aspect that that Juwan's been working, you know, because obviously having that relationship. I mean, I think he, Michigan was in his top top group before they even offered, and obviously now with this offer coming over the weekend, um, it, it's going to be it's, it's going to help them a lot. Um, I don't, I don't think I'm not obviously not ready to declare leaders. He's not ready to declare leaders. Um, you know, would have, would have liked to visit, but now it's going to be kind of interesting. So I'm going to have to get caught up with him to see, you know, what happens if, you know, winter sports are affected with this shutdown. So, um, I'll have more on that when I can, but I don't think, Michigan's ready to land a, a, a commitment anytime soon from a 2021 point guard specifically. Um, but they've done a really good job of, of, you know, even recruiting Frankie Collins pre-offer, obviously doing enough to, you know, get into a top group and uh, you know, and solidifying their spot. And now they'll, uh, they're obviously, you know, rise up that list with, with an offer. And I think, you know, for me personally, I think the offer, excuse me, I think the relationship with Juwan kind of, kind of sets the Wolverines apart from the rest of the group. And that's not that's not to say that they're a leader or I'm thinking about putting a crystal ball in or anything like that. I just think Michigan is is sitting pretty well for Frankie Collins right now. All right, so the the guy that I feel 
uh, you know, despite the in the the likelihood of the extension of a of the visit restrictions, I feel Michigan is in, in really good shape with Harrison Ingram. Uh, you know, Michigan they made his, his his final six. That was not a surprise that they, you know, that they did so. Uh, it was expected alongside Stanford, Howard, Harvard. So Howard and Harvard, uh, North Carolina in that mix, of course, uh, Michigan, uh, and then Purdue. One of the things that jumps out to me is how serious. The young man and his dad, and you can look forward to uh, a lengthy piece on the site. Uh, and, you know, I'll let you hear from his dad a little bit here on the podcast as well, uh, where they, they really emphasize the value of education. Uh, and when you look at his list, I mean, you got Stanford and Harvard on the list, Purdue, Michigan, right? Uh, and H- Howard is, uh, is a really, really good uh, academic school. Now people know that. Uh, as an HBCU, but it is uh, North Carolina as well. So you, you can see that shining through. But can you know to be able to combine that high level academics, high level academics with also the you know the high level basketball program, uh, and then uh, you know the the part that I really feel they've connected with uh, at Michigan is with Jawan. You have a guy who's been on the journey that Harrison wants to go on. So he talked about, hey, he's he's been to Michigan and been through the program, has, you know, has a degree, played in the pros. And now, as dad said, if you look at the guys in his program, but look at his sons, look at his kids. And I can see in his kids what his values are. I think all of those things are really resonating. And then on top of that, he's already been to Michigan. So mm-hmm. it, that kind of flew under the radar. It even flew under my radar a little bit that, you know, back a couple of years ago when Beeline was still here and and I remember Yaklich recruiting Dallas St. Mark's and going down to recruit Harrison Ingram, but I didn't remember him coming to the college practice camp, I believe as a sophomore. So he's at least seen the campus. I think that there are a lot of ingredients, a lot of boxes there that Michigan is checking. You know, if they can convince him that uh, the, the 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 gateway to a lot of playing time out of the blocks is there, uh, and that he they will utilize his versatility. He's a guy I won't call him a point guard, call him more of a point forward where he can legitimately play one through four. Uh, if they can sell him on those things, I, I mean, I think that this is a guy. Now, they've whiffed on some five stars here lately. They've been really, really close. This is another five star that they're really, really close with. Uh, Josh, they got to get one of these guys at once at some point, right? <laughs> right. I mean, they've been on so many five star wings and, and, and missed on a lot of them, and they're probably due for some good fortune. But yeah, I think, you know, I, I when I spoke to Ingram, what, about a month and a half ago or, or something like that. Uh, I know he immediately mentioned that Juwan was was really prioritizing him and really spearheading the uh, the the this recruitment. So hearing you say that connection with with Juwan is is not surprising. Um, he's one of countless of other recruits that have you know just have discussed how down to earth and 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 you know being able to connect with Juwan, how easy it is. Obviously, with him walking the path that they would like to take, 
you know, as, as a student athlete to professional athlete. So yeah, it just, it, it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, he's, he mentioned the, the value of education to me as well in our, in our discussion, how, you know, he's really looking at that in terms of how he breaks down his top schools. And, and also he's just, the kid's just different. He's, he, he's, he's different in a good way. I mean, he's one of those kids that, you know, I've, I've mentioned this before that he's one of, he's very, he's seriously considering HBCUs. It's mm-hmm. not just, yeah, it's not yeah, just right. lip service just right. to, to get the retweets and whatnot. This is, this is serious and in, in, in genuine interest. And, you know, it's not really surprising to see it like a team like Howard make that final list. Yeah. So we'll, we'll hear from his dad, Tyrus right now. So here's Tyrus Ingram talking about Michigan's recruitment of his son, Harrison. He is one of the most, heavily recruited players in the country one of the most talented players in the country at what point in in his process or how early in this process did you notice hey man my son is is just a little bit different than all the rest you know uh sam i, I i've been and i say we i mean my wife Vera and i we we were i guess late adopters with this thing because I mean, earlier on, I mean, you know, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, you know, he, he always said that he wanted to play basketball. He wanted to play in college and he wanted to, you know, be an NBA player. And we were always thinking, uh, we were always saying rather just kind of, you know, as parents would do as my parents did with me was like, you know, Hey, that's great. And all Harrison, and that's, that's cute. And all, but, uh, you know, let's, let's be, let's be about the education. And if that happens, it happens. And, you know, if it doesn't, at least you got education to fall back on. And that was what we were, were echoing to him, or really to all our kids. And, and so when our first one, uh, you know, he, he's a basketball player at a division three school and, you know, basically he used his, his academics or an athleticism to get into the best school he could get into not really thinking about NBA or any of those things, but just really just getting a, getting a degree and, and, and moving on. And so that was kind of what we were about, not not even thinking about, you know, all of this that has happened over the last two or three years. But, you know, probably about ninth grade is when I kind of thought that, hey, we, we might need to change our position here. And basically our position was, was that, hey, you know, if he – you know, as parents, you know, we've, we've got to support whatever it is the dream is. And so as long as he can continue to do well in school, as long as he doesn't, you know, doesn't disrespect women or break the law, then we're going to we're going to support him in whatever endeavor, you know, uh, that he wants. And so that's when we started to, um, to, to, you know, really to support him. And even right now, uh, Sam, I don't know if, you know, if he's going to be a one and done or two and done or any of that stuff. I mean, and not to belittle that or not to shun that or whatever. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't know. I don't know. I mean, and I, I'll leave that up to the, you know, to the GMs and, and, you know, and, you know, coach Howard and the rest of the coaches or whatever to determine what that's going to look like. You know, all I want him to do is just be the best he can be. And if, if the NBA is a possibility then, uh, or if college basketball is a possibility, and all we all we want to do as parents is just make sure that he, you know, he's he's training, he's extra, you know, he's he's getting skills, he's training, um, doing all the things he needs to do to be the best version of himself. And that's that's really all that we're we're trying to do at this point. You know, I could really, uh, you know, I could really tell a lot at least as far as you know what some of the criteria, the most important criteria in his decision 
making process was going to be based on some of the rumblings I was hearing earlier about the schools that were mentioned most prominently, like Stanford. If a kid is mentioning Stanford uh, is a as a primary option, uh, then then that speaks to the value of academics, much like you would say with a school like like Michigan. But but, you know, when you group it together with it, with a school like Stanford. So that leads me to my next question. When you kind of envision him sitting at the table making his final decision, when he does that, what are going to be the most significant factors driving that choice? Well, for us as parents, I mean, I think you hit it on the head with, you know, with education, because I I do think that that's an important uh, part of it, making sure that you have balance, um, making sure that you, you know, that the school does offer, you know, um, you know, a, a, a good education. And, and, and let me just say this, um, not not that we're academic snobs or anything like that. I mean, there are, are, are great colleges out there and all of them offer, you know, some type of um, uh, feature and benefit that's significant to just that school. So and they and they all are great in that in that arena. And so each and all each and every school that he's looking looking at what I what I challenge him to do is just not be you know, I mean, not that he was, but just to make sure that he appreciates what those schools have to offer. But education is absolutely important. Um, no matter what school he gets, you know, he ends up going to. Mm-hmm. We want to make sure that that he has the mindset that, hey, um, uh, that I, I got to make sure that I'm, I'm balanced in this thing. Let's go all for let's go all out 100 percent for your goal. But let's just make sure that we're taking care of business in the classroom. So let me just say this, no matter where he goes. Um, uh, education has got to be a priority. Uh, uh, we, you know, we, we, we've drilled that in him. And so hopefully, you know, that, that stays, uh, with him as a priority, but, mm-hmm. you know, but, but specifically, I mean, yes, good schools are, 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 are important, uh, schools that are, and, and really coaches that value, you know, education and coach Howard has made it, you know, he's made it clear to us, uh, I mean, you know, that education, uh, is important. And then when you start really breaking that down to see what that really means, I mean, hell, he's lived it. He's living it. Um, even, even in, in his own family, you know, with his own kids that he's lived it. I mean, he's, he, so he's an example of what it is that, that, you know, that, that we want for our kids that we're doing for our kids. I mean, he's, he's, he's not only saying it, but he's also living it as well. And so are the other coaches also not to just, you know, put a spotlight on coach Howard. But what I'm saying is, is that, you know, he he's he when he tells me that, hey, you know, education and making sure that his players graduate and that they keep education a priority. I can look at his own his 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 own personal brand and say that that's true. I can also look at how he raises raises his and has raised his own kids to know that that's true. Mm-hmm. So that that's 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 not just lip service. And so that's that's definitely something that. Um, that that we that we see a value in uh, as it relates to Coach Howard and 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 and, and his brand, uh, uh, personal brand. All right, guys, and so that was uh, you know we'll have much more. We'll finish this out with a lengthy story over on the site, folks. So be on the lookout for that. You'll be able to hear or you know read in even more detail why they're so high, why Harrison is so high on Michigan, and then guys, uh, Steve, Josh is going to be. It's going to be an interesting, you know, fall, hell, interesting fall and winter 
uh, you know, at least hopefully by the spring, at the very least, we can be talking about spring. I know we are all skeptical about a spring football season, but at least we'll be able to talk about spring ball. We just got to get to that point. Uh, we will, if, if there are high school games, we will get to them safely. Of course, we go masked up. We socially distance. We do all the things that we need to do. Uh, we will go to kids workouts uh, properly socially distanced, of course. We will do all of that. We will continue to bring you in-depth insight uh, and coverage on the recruiting level as well. And uh, But it's, uh, you know, <laughs> definitely a jolting experience that, that we are all going through together. Uh, and we will continue to, to be here for you, bringing you all of the uh, in-depth insight on Michigan. I just, I was hearing some good things out of fall camp. Uh, you know, it just feels like why even share it at this point, right? I mean, I might <laughs> drop it on the board. I know you hear some things too, right, Steve? Yeah, I posted on Luke uh, Schoonmaker, and then like it was like an hour later where they announced it, and I was like, eh, well, <laughs> at least he's doing well. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully he keeps it up. Yeah, well, oh, hey, yeah. folks, hopefully all of you uh, under the circumstances, you know, terribly disappointed as are we. Uh, just stay safe. I mean, it's an opportunity to spend more time with with uh, with family and uh, take stock of, of your surroundings. And, and certainly our community at the MichiganInsider.com uh, over at TMI, we are a family. We are definitely going to uh, continue the discussion. Uh, sometimes we might be seem dysfunctional on the board, uh, but we will go through it together and continue to bring the bring you the in-depth in- insight uh, and coverage. Uh, remember, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, please do. Please rate and review it. Tell your friends all about it. And we'll be back next week with another edition of the Michigan Recruiting Insider. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.